Hugh Leonard Thompson Murphy, born March 2nd, 1952, was a Northern Irish loyalist and UVF officer. As leader of the Shankill Butcher Gang, Murphy was responsible for the murders of mainly Catholic civilians, often first kidnapping and torturing his victims. Due to a lack of evidence, Murphy was never brought to trial for these killings, for which some of his followers had already received long sentences in 1979. In the summer of 1982, Murphy was released just over halfway through a 12-year sentence for other offences. He returned to the Shankill Road where he embarked on a murder spree. Details of his movements were apparently passed by rival loyalist paramilitaries to the provisional IRA who shot Murphy dead that autumn. Murphy was the youngest of three sons of William and Joyce Murphy from the loyalist Shankill Road, Belfast. His elder brothers were William Jr. and John. William Sr. was originally from Fleet Street, Sailortown in the Belfast Docks area where he met Joyce Thompson who came from the Shankill. Like his own father, William Sr. worked as a dock labourer. The Murphy family changed their residence several times. In 1957 they returned to Joyce's family home in the Lower Shankill at 28 Pierce Street, Percy Street. Murphy did not use Hugh, possibly because when coupled with the surname Murphy, it might have added to the Catholic connotation. Prior to the erection of a peace wall in the 1970s, Percy Street ran from the Lower Shankill, from Lower Shankill area to the Falls Road. At Argyll Primary School, he was known for the use of a knife and had his elder brothers to back him up. He logged his first conviction at the age of 12 for theft. After leaving the Belfast Boys Model School at 16, he joined the Ulster Volunteer Force and was involved in the rioting that broke out in Belfast in August of 1969. His character was marked by a hatred of Catholics, which he brought into all his conversations, often referring to them as scum and animals. He held a steady job as a shop assistant, although his increasing criminal activities enabled him to indulge in a flamboyant lifestyle, which involved socialising with an array of young women and heavy drinking. Physically, Murphy was below average height, of slim build and sallow complexion. Murphy was blue-eyed and had curly, dark brown hair. He sported several tattoos, most of them bearing Ulster Loyalist images. He was a flashy dresser, often wearing a leather jacket and scarf and occasionally leather driving gloves, similar to those worn by a World War I fighter pilot. Murphy was involved in the torture and murder of four Catholic men as early as 1972. On the 28th of September of that year, a Protestant man named William Edward Pavis who had gone bird shooting with a Catholic priest, was killed at his home in East Belfast. Pavis had been threatened by loyalists who accused him of selling firearms to the IRA. Murphy and an accomplice, Mervyn Connor, were arrested for his crime, for this crime. During pre-trial investigations, Murphy was placed in a lineup for possible identification by witnesses to Pavis uh, shooting. Before the process began formally, he created the servants and stepped out of the lineup. However, two witnesses picked him out of, of the out when order to was restored. Connor and Murphy were held in prison together, but in April 1973, before the trial, Connor died after ingesting cyanide in his cell. He had written a suicide note in which he confessed to the crime and exonerated Murphy. It is believed Connor was forced to write the note and take the cyanide. Murphy was sent to trial for the murder of Pavis in June 1973. 
Although two witnesses identified him as the gunman, he was acquitted on the basis that their evidence may have been contaminated by the disturbance during the police lineup inquiry. However, Murphy was rearrested and jailed for attempted escapes. By May 1975, Murphy, now aged 23, was back in the streets of Belfast. On the 5th of May 1973, inside Crumlin Road Prison, he had married 19-year-old Margaret Gillespie, with whom he had a daughter. He moved his wife and child to Brookmount Street in the Upper Shank Hill, where his parents had a new home. Murphy spent much of his time drinking in Shankill pubs such as the Brown Bear and Longbrook Social Club. He also fre- frequented the Bayardo Bar in Aberdeen Street. Murphy later told a provisional IRA inmate that on the 13th of August 1975 he had just left the Bayardo 10 minutes before the IRA carried out a gun and bombing attack against the pub which killed a UVF man and four other Protestants and left over 50 injured. With his brother William he soon formed a gang of more than 20 men that would become known as the Shankill Butchers, one of his lieutenants being William Moore. Shankill but- uh, Butcher Murders The gang shot dead four Catholics, two men and two women, during a robbery at a warehouse in October 1975. Over the next few months, the gang began abducting, torturing and murdering random Catholic men they dragged off the streets late at night. Murphy regarded the use of a blade as the ultimate way to kill, ending the torture by hacking each victim's throat open with a butcher knife. By February 1976, the gang had killed three Catholic men in this manner. Murphy achieved status through his paramilitary activity and was widely known in the Shankill. Many regarded his crimes as shaming the community but feared the consequences of testifying against him. None of the victims had any connection to the IRA and there was suspicion among some of their families that the murders were not properly investigated because those being killed were Catholics. The Butchers were also involved in the murder of Noel Shaw, a loyalist from, the, from a rival UVF unit, who had shot dead Butcher gang member Archie Waller in Downing Street, off the Shankill Road, in November 1975. Four days before his death, Waller had been involved in an abduction and murder of the Butchers' first victim, Francis Crossan. One day after Waller's death, Shaw was beaten and pistol-whipped by Murphy while strapped to a chair, then shot. His body was later dumped in the back street off the Shank Hill. By the end of 1975, the UVF brigade staff had a new leadership of moderates. But Murphy refused to submit to their authority, preferring to carry out attacks by his own methods. Dylan suggested that despite some brigade staff knowing about Murphy's activities, albeit not the precise details, they were too frightened to put a stop to it. This suggestion was given further credibility by Gusty Spence when he was asked by BBC journalist Peter Taylor in 1998 interview why the leadership of the UVF failed to stop the butchers. I don't think they had the bottle to stop him, was Spence's reply. On the 10th of January 1976, Murphy and Moore killed a Catholic man, Edward McQuaid, only 25 years of age, on the Cliftonville Road. Murphy, alighting from, uh, alighting from Moore's taxi in the small hours, shot the man six times at close range. Early on the 11th of March 1976, Murphy shot and injured a young Catholic woman once again on the Cliftonville Road. 
Arrested the next day after attempting to retrieve the gun used, Murphy was charged with attempted murder and remanded in custody for a prolonged period. However, he was able to plea bargain whereby he was allowed to plead guilty to a lesser charge of a firearm offence and received 12 years imprisonment on the 11th of October 1977. To divert suspicion from himself, Murphy ordered the rest of the gang to continue the cutthroat murders while he was in prison. The butchers, now under the operational command of William Moore, went on to kill and mutilate at least three more Catholics. Confessions of gang members had named Murphy as the leader, but statements incriminating him were later retracted. He was questioned once again about the butchers' murders, but denied involvement. The total of sentences handed out down to the gang at the Belfast Crown Court was the longest in legal history in the UK. On completing his sentence for the firearms charge, Lenny Murphy walked out of the maze prison on Friday, 16th of July, 1982. During this, his term inside, his wife Margaret initiated divorce proceedings, which were being finalised at the time of his death. Murphy killed at least four more people over the next four months. He beat a partially disabled man to death one day after returning to, to, to Shankill. Another victim sold him a car and was shot dead for after demanding full payment. Murphy also attempted to extort money from local businessmen who had been sympathetic in the past. However, this encroached on other loyalist paramilitaries with, uh, with established its protection rackets. In late August 1982, Murphy killed a part-time Ulster Defence Regiment soldier from the Lower Shankill area who was closely involved with the UVF in Balmina and was allegedly an informer. The man's body was not discovered for almost a year. In mid-October, Murphy and several associates kidnapped a Catholic man who had been tortured and beaten to death in Murphy's own home, temporarily vacated due to renovations. Murphy, who had left the house strewn with the victim's blood and teeth, was arrested for questioning the next morning but later released. The sadism of the widely publicised killing led to loyalism receiving a great deal of bad publicity and leading UVF figures concluded that Murphy's horrific methods had made him too much of a liability. On the 16th of November 1982, Murphy had just pulled up outside the rear of his girlfriend's house on the Fort River Road area in Glencarran, a part of the Greater Shankill area when two provisional IRA gunmen em emerged from a black van nearby and opened fire with a submachine gun and a 9mm pistol. Murphy was hit more than with more than 20 rounds and died instantly. He was gunned down just around the corner from where the bodies of many of the butcher's victims had been dumped. A few days after the death of the IRA claimed responsibility. According to the RUC reports, the UVF had provided the IRA team with the details of Murphy's habits and movements which allowed them to assassinate him at that particular location. If you like that, then listen to our main show every Wednesday on all good podcast providers. It's Alive Alive, the really, really fake true crime horror podcast. All the guts and gore, none of the guilt. See you on Wednesdays.